This morning, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16, so I'd invite you to turn to Exodus uh, chapter 16. Uh, but you know, if you've ever had the opportunity to teach uh, Bible class, especially for young children, you know, it's kind of tough to just sit there and read scripture to them. Uh, you know, uh, the young children, uh, you, you really need to interact with them more, right? Uh, you, you might have, you know, a coloring page for them to do, an activity, a craft, a, a lesson, uh, but an object lesson really is a good way to get their understanding. Uh, you know, you, maybe you've seen object lessons, maybe you remember your time in VBS or, uh, or in Bible class when you were growing up that maybe the teacher had you build a little house out of popsicle sticks and maybe you had two of them and one w was placed on some sand and the other one may have been placed on some rocks and then you dipped some water, poured some water in there and you noticed that the house that was on the sand began to topple over. And the popsicle stick house that was on the rock stood firm. And we use that object lesson to teach the kids the, the parable of the, of the builder, the wise builder and the unwise builder in Matthew chapter 7. Or maybe you've seen the, the, the lesson where someone will take a jar and they'll fill it with sand and then they'll fill it with rocks. And the rocks uh, represent the important things in life. And then they'll take another jar and they'll put the rocks in first and then they'll dump the sand in. And you watch the sand as it goes in between all of the little rocks and it you know, makes its way through there. And that, again, is representing uh, the rocks are the important things in life and the sand is everything else. And it should fit in with our lives um, accordingly. You know, uh, we should have our, our spiritual things should come first in life. And, and so maybe those are some object lessons. Maybe there's some others that you remember, that you recall. But Jesus, of course, he taught in... In this way, many times. Uh, in John chapter 4, when he went to the well, uh, there was the Samaritan woman. You remember, Jesus asked her for some water. He asked her for a cup of water. And uh, he told her that, you know, that I can provide you with the living water. And you remember, she's, she's thinking that this is more on the physical plane. And so she's saying, um, if you ever, you know, Jesus said to her, this water that I give you, to you, you know, if you drink of this, you will never have to drink again. And again, he's, he's teaching spiritual things while she's thinking physically, but he's using the water that's present, the, that cup of water, to teach these lessons. Later on in John chapter 6, after they, Jesus provides the, the, the loaves and the fishes and he miraculously produces many to feed 5,000, he's going to tell the people around him that he is the bread of life. And, and again, he's using the bread there that's in front of him as an object lesson to teach them that I am the bread of life, that he who comes to me will never hunger. And so while using these simple everyday object lessons, Jesus was able to teach spiritual truths to those around him. In Exodus chapter 16 that we're going to look at this morning, the people of Israel, they're introduced to really a 40-year object lesson. You see, each and every day they are going to be provided with manna each and every day besides the Sabbath morning. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But if you recall in Exodus chapter 16 at the beginning, uh, the people, they're grumbling. Right? They're, they've been taken out of Egypt, and as they are wandering in the wilderness, they began to grumble to Moses and Aaron. Uh, we remember the food that we had back in Egypt, uh, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and you've taken us out of that land and into this wilderness, and you've taken us out here to die, right? There's no food out here. There's no water out here. 
And God, we're told in verse 4, is going to test them to find out if they will walk in his instruction. Uh, Later on in this chapter, he's going to say that they're going to provide at twilight meat for them to eat. They're going to have an abundance of quail to eat. But in the morning, every morning when they wake up, there will be this manna, this bread from heaven. Because of this, God says, you shall know that I am the Lord. In John chapter 6, again, I just mentioned that a little while ago. In John chapter 6, I want to read what Jesus said here, uh, starting in verse 31. Jesus says here, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. In verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. See, again, the Israelites, as, we, as we're going to notice in this account, they were provided with this physical bread each and every day. But today, today, Christians, we have the bread of life. We have Jesus. I am the bread of life. He doesn't give us that physical manna today. And we're going to explore how God used manna to teach this spiritual lesson, this, this lesson to them that they needed to Rely on God. Rely on God each and every day for, for substance and how we today also have to do that. So uh, if you're back in Exodus chapter 16, I'm going to start in verses 16 and 17. And we're going to notice that the Israelites were to gather. In Exodus 16, verses 16 and 17, it records, This is what the Lord had commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece, according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much, and some little. See, every man was commanded to gather as much as he should eat. But what is manna? You know, it's kind of tough to explain. Look look at verse 15, because this is really where we get the definition of manna. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? Right? Manna, uh, translated, basically means, what is it? Right? Uh, we don't know what this is. What is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And we get some uh, descriptions of it throughout Scripture. If you were to look in verse 31 uh, of the same chapter, it says that um, the house of Israel named it manna, and it was like coriander seed. It was white, and it tastes was like wafers and honey. In the book of Numbers, we're told uh, that, that it, it, its appearance is like delium. Uh, it's, just, it's this pearly white in color, this gum-like resin. Um, and in Numbers 11, it also said that what they were to do with it was to grind it between two millstones or beat it in the mortar and ball it into a pot and make cakes with it. Okay, So, so we sort of understand what, what it might have looked like back then. But again, where did it come from? This came from God. It was, it was bread that rained from heaven, he said. And, and they were able to take, as, as scriptures say in Exodus 16, an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of them had in his tent. They were to estimate it. They were to gather it. Some of, it, some of them gathered much, we're told. Some of them gathered little. 
And, but this manna was their substance. That's what they ate each and every day. But notice, and the point that I want to make in this section here is they had to gather it. Right? Uh, today, it's pretty easy, right, to go to the store. The bread is, you know, manufactured. It's in loaves. We go to the store. We, we pick it out. We pick out the brand we want. It, it comes pretty easy to us. It's not that expensive. But back in this time period, you know, this was something that they would have to do each and every day is prepare this bread. And, you know, we've kind of come accustomed to this as well, especially during this time of covid you know, there's something that um, really started to become popular, uh, and maybe it's not going to go away. Uh, you know, the convenience of shopping from home. You know, you, you can, you can uh, go on to the grocery store's website, you can pick out what you want, and then simply just go to the store and they'll bring it out to you. Right? A lot of people have taken advantage of this, and it looks like it's something that's becoming popular and not going away, and there's really there's little work involved for us today uh, when we go grocery shopping if we choose to go this route. But uh, we see here that Christians today do not need to gather a physical manna. Right? We, we don't have to go out and gather this physical manna, but a spiritual manna. And we're told that it is only provided by our Heavenly Father. Again, Jesus is the bread of life. He is our substance. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 reads, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is given the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says our faith comes from seeking, right? Uh, we need to diligently seek. It is, faith is what pleases God. And so in order for us to be fed spiritually, we too must gather, seek his word. Uh, some will gather much, and some, unfortunately, will gather little. But we understand, we understand right, that we have to eat each and every day to sustain our physical bodies. A lot of us, you know, we, we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe we'll have snacks in between as well to nourish our bodies. But what about our souls? What about our souls? That, that's what Jesus is, is getting to the point in John chapter 6. Are we gathering? Are we feeding our souls? Are, are we only doing this on Sunday morning? Or are we doing this throughout the week? We need to ask ourselves, is this the only time that we are receiving spiritual nourishment? Is here on Sunday mornings? Or are we opening up the word each and every day? Are we feeding our souls each and every day? We notice here in Exodus 16 uh, with this manna, this object lesson, that they had to gather. Right? They had to work for their food, and we must do that as well uh, spiritually. We also want to notice in Exodus 16, the next verse in verse 18, that they were to gauge. You notice I'm doing a little bit of alliteration this morning. Uh, hopefully, uh, as we follow along, maybe these, this lesson can uh, be somewhat remembered. But in verse 18, let's see what it says. It says, <clears throat> When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no access, <clears throat> and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. They were to measure or gauge their portions. And it says that he who gathered much, he didn't have excess. Right? He, he didn't have so much that it became waste. 
And he who gathered little had no lack. He was satisfied. He was full. Right? There was no supply chain uh, problem here. Uh, everyone gathered as much as he should eat. And, and we're told it's an omer. Uh, th- that unit of measurement, we're told at the very last verse of this chapter, was one-tenth of an ephah. Uh, again, maybe that's not something that we're familiar with, but just think of a handful, a half gallon, two quarts, one and two-third liters. That, that's how much they were together, about, about a handful of this manna to sustain them. And again, just like they had to measure this out each and every day, we too need to understand that we need, we need to measure our spiritual intake each and every day. Are, are we bringing in what we need? See, God will not lack. God is not lack. God will not give us a lack. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, of course, is a psalm that we're probably all familiar with. Psalm 23 is read um, a lot of times during funerals. I know one gospel preacher said that in one year alone, he, he read that psalm at over a hundred funerals one, one year. But look at Psalm 23 with me. It begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as we, as we go through this psalm, notice that, that the, the psalmist here is saying that, uh, David, that I will not lack for anything. I'm not going to lack in substance. I'm not going to lack in refreshment or in direction in my life or in companionship or protection or acceptance because God is my sufficiency, right? God is my substance. Listen again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God does not want us to lack in this life. Jesus provides what we need, and he wants us to have life abundant, to have life abundantly. That as the Christian that I can confidently say in my life, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or that my cup overflows. Are we measuring? Again, this point is short, but are we measuring, are we gauging our spiritual intake? Are we gauging that bread, that manna today that is the the life of Christ? Back in Exodus chapter 16, continuing on in verses 19 through 30, we're going to notice that the Israelites were not to be greedy with this. Uh, listen, Listen to what Moses here records. He said, starting in verse 19, Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observant, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside and be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. 
Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day the Sabbath there will be none. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place and let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. We notice here that they were not to be greedy with the manna. Let no man leave it until morning. If they did, it bred worms and became foul. If it was not gathered, it melted under the hot sun. But there was one exception. On the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much. God provided for them that day that they were to gather twice as much because on the next day, on the Sabbath, they weren't to work, they weren't to go out and gather, but God provided for them each and every time that it would be there. And notice that on that seventh day, on that day of the Sabbath, there were no worms in the manna. It did not become foul, but it wasn't found in the fields. And we're told that some actually went out into the fields on the seventh day to actually look for it, even though they were told that it wasn't there. In verse 28, again, God said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Well, again, as we think of our spiritual lives, as we think of applying this lesson into our lives, we too can be greedy with the bread of life. You know, we, we, we've seen a lot of greediness, especially, again, these past few years. You know, there was just a couple of weeks ago we saw people hoarding gasoline at the gas stations. Almost a year ago, it was impossible to purchase some products, right? Toilet paper was scarce. We couldn't get our hands on that. And it might sound a bit odd to say that Christians can be greedy with Jesus, right? We serve the, Lord, the only Lord who can get one into heaven. Right? John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In Acts 4, verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And so shouldn't we want our family and our friends to know this? Yet we never let anyone around us know about it. Uh, we are content to come to church and to worship, but we forget about the Great Commission. Right, that Jesus told his followers to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Right? And not just to worship me and, and, to, you know, and to assemble, but you needed to go out and make disciples of all the nations. See, being a Christian demands that we follow Christ outside these walls as well. And, but some of us, you know, we might be sitting here thinking, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just too afraid. Right? I'm too afraid to show my faith. But, but, but what did Jesus remind uh, some of his followers? I, I want to f- share a few scriptures here that are comforting me. In Luke chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, The one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. See, Jesus is saying, listen, you go out and tell others about me. And if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Right? They have a problem with me. They don't have a problem with you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul wrote there about the church in Corinth. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. 
It's our job as Christians to go out and we spread the seed, we water that seed, we plant that seed, but ultimately it's God who causes the growth. And if there's no growth there, that's not specifically our problem. That's because they are not taking to the word of God. All we can do is water. All we can do is plant. All we can do is prepare the soil. But God will cause the increase. See, I need reminded... I need to be reminded that the power of the gospel is not in the messenger, but it's in the message. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. See, the Israelites were not to be greedy with the manna, and neither should we be greedy with Jesus, but we must share. Uh, we, we must share uh, the soul-saving gospel. And the last application I want to make to this, this account here in Exodus chapter 16 is in verses 32 and 34. We notice that they were reminded to tell future generations about this. Look at verse 32. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omerful of it be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omerful of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. God commanded that manna be put in a jar and then placed in the Ark of the Covenant for future generations to see this, to be reminded of this. And so Aaron did this. Aaron placed it in the testimony. Again, this is referring to the Ark of the Covenant. It's, we're told about this in the book of Hebrews as well. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4, it says that this jar was a golden jar. And this manna was placed in the golden jar next to all the, the law that was written on the tablets and placed alongside Aaron's rod that budded. And it was in the Ark of the Testament uh, as long as that was you know, on earth, for the children of Israel to be reminded that God provided for them in the wilderness. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and, and this will be the last place I, I, I have you come. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want to notice a verse here. Uh, it's a very interesting verse uh, to me. And again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Notice what Paul says here to Timothy. The, the young preacher Timothy He says in verse 8 of 2 Timothy 2, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. Isn't that interesting that, that Paul is telling this gospel preacher, remember Jesus Christ? Remember him. Uh, not only remember him, that he was risen from the dead, that he was a descendant of David. Why do we uh, need to remember these things? Why do we need to remember these things? He is emphasizing to Timothy here, don't forget, Timothy, you are teaching, you are preaching, just not about anyone, but this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. You know, tomorrow in this country, we celebrate what's uh, known as Memorial Day. Right? And Memorial Day is a time where we honor those who have died in military service. And when you kind of look at the, the history of that day, uh, John Logan, who was a U.S. congressman 
And a general during the Civil War, uh, he, became, he began something known as Decoration Day, where he had his uh, troops go and you know, lay flowers next to graves to commemorate that, and he had that done on May 30th. And that kind of, over time, warped into what we know as Memorial Day, uh, a national holiday uh, on, on a Monday. Right? And we do that because we want to memorialize those you know, who fought for our country and, and to remind future generations. Right? We do this to remind future generations. But here, uh, as Scripture, we know that there is a much greater sacrifice that we must remind each and every one of us. And, and, and so, um, we, notice if you're still in 2 Timothy, notice in chapter 1, verse uh, 5, that Paul right there is, writes to Timothy there, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. See, Timothy had a mother and a grandmother who had this sincere faith in Jesus Christ, and they passed it down from one generation to the next to the next. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. This verse here, this is often used in biblical schools uh, to teach uh, the importance of reminding future generations. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. These things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That command spans four generations. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, and faithful men to others. And we don't have that golden jar today. We don't have that golden jar of manna to observe today, but we do have the completed word of God, which was once for all handed down to the saints, as as Jude chapter 3 tells us. Uh, Verse 3, so how will you and I remind future generations of Jesus? And again, it starts with us. Just like Lois and Eunice, who are the mother and grandmother of Timothy, who taught their children, uh, we've got to have that sincere faith and pass it down. Remind them, uh, entrust it to others, as 2 Timothy 2.2 says. You see, this manna object lesson that we read about in Exodus chapter 16, again, every single day, uh, the Israelites were reminded that they needed to rely on God. They relied on God for that sustenance that he provided for them each and every day. And it was a test. God tested them as to whether or not they would walk in his instruction. Remember, it was available to them at all time. Even on the Sabbath day, they still had it there because they collected a double portion the day before. But as long as they gathered it and took what was needed, they had it. They depended on God for sustenance while wandering in the wilderness. And we too can learn from this object lesson this morning. We too must gather his word. We must gather that bread. We must gauge it in our lives. We shouldn't be greedy with it. And that we should remind future generations about about Jesus Christ. Christians, again, must depend on God daily not to satisfy our physical appetites, but our spiritual appetites. Because if we're only feeding them on one day a week, our souls are going to be starving. They're going to be craving. So let's consider this 40-year object lesson this morning. Again, may we not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This morning, if you're here with us and and you're not a Christian, we'd love the opportunity to study with you and to help you uh, do what the Bible says, what the Bible commands, that we must hear the word of God and and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of our sins, confess Jesus as Lord, and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And God will, at that point, add you to his church. 
If you're here with us this morning and you are a Christian, but you're struggling in your walk, you need the prayers of this church, you need to ask for forgiveness. Again, we would love the opportunity to help you spiritually, spiritually help you to get back on that path, to get back on that path, uh, on that road to uh, being uh, the child that, that God wants you to be. Again, we would love that opportunity to help you this morning as together we stand and sing the song of invitation. There's a great day coming, a great day.